church. <laughs> and the church gathers around a common unity. Everybody say community. Man, community is so important to, to what the church is. You know, I mean, I, I know I've, I've, um, I've said this before. For those of you that have been around uh, long enough for me to have said it before. Um, but the reality of it is this, is that biblically speaking, the kingdom of God does not operate with people in isolation. The early church, when we study that example, or when we study the example of the Old Testament of the people of Israel, we'll discover that God is very interested in a called out people, a people who are grouped together with a common purpose for, for his work and, and as we understand for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God that is at work among us. That's not, that's not some unattainable thing in our lives for us to gather together in community for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Matter of fact, we're doing that even right now. We've come together Today, for worship, we've worshipped together as a community. There is a common bond with us in this house right now. There's a purpose. We've worshipped. Now, we are looking into the Word of God. We're studying the Word together. That's a community act. It's a, it's a thing that, that I believe is vitally important because there are things that happen in community that don't happen in isolation. Matter of fact, when you look at the New Testament church and the Apostle Paul especially referring to the gifts of the Spirit, you'll notice that those gifts always operate in community. That there's just something about they're meant to be passed from one person to the next. Something is, is meant to take place. I mean, you talk about prayer and, and, and we talked about that last week that, that even Jesus recognized that the the power of binding and loosing in our lives is, is a community activity that we can pray together. James referred to that in his writing and says, Call the elders of the church if you're sick. Call the elders of the church. Get a, get a group of people together that have a common purpose and group together in this type of prayer will not only save the sick, but it will bring forgiveness. Something about the gifts that flow within community. Matter of fact, in Matthew 16, 18, one of our key verses, Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. Upon this rock I will build my church, and and, and we discussed last week, Jesus wasn't talking about a building. He was talking about the people, that, that the church that Jesus came to build is this new community, this community within a community, this, this society of people who have gathered together for a common purpose that, that is within the common society of the world, that you and I are a part of this thing called the church, and the church is community. In fact, we wear shirts around here. I see several in, in, here today, the I love my church shirt. You know, you really can't love 
the church if you don't love the people. Think about that for a second. Oh, I love my church, but I don't like anyone that goes there. That's a really sad deal, man. I think that sometimes people get trapped in, in, in religious circumstances and, and perhaps there's not um, a sense of camaraderie that is developed among people for whatever reason and, and they become disconnected, and they, but yet they still, they still go to church, but it doesn't hold the significance of community. And I, I really, really, really want us to, to focus on that in our lives, that, that church is not... Just this place that I go on Sundays or on Wednesdays. It's not, it's not just a building that we assemble in, but, but I love my church because I love the people that assemble together as the church. So it is that the early church, there were some things that they were devoted to. I want us to read again Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property. And possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, God blessed that early church community because they they devoted themselves to the right things. I don't want to go off into the, you know, too much on some of the things that I, I dealt with last week, but, but it's very interesting for me to note that the blessed churches are the churches that devote themselves to the right things. I mean, a church that will devote itself to prayer, for instance, it seems to have a better feeling than a church that devotes itself to another form of talking, and that would be gossip. <laughs> Anybody in the house on that one? You see what I'm saying? I mean, you're both of them. You're using your mouth. You're using words. You're using some form of emotion that's going on within you. But you'll just understand that there's just something a little disjointed about a church that talks about each other in negative ways. As opposed to a church that understands we all have differences. And we all make mistakes. But we come together with our differences and our mistakes and we learn the value of talking to God about those things. The church that is devoted to prayer is highly blessed and favored by God. I mean to the point that even some of the greatest prayer magnets in the world today are, are highly criticized by people who are... are to me, really becoming enemies of the church. Those who would criticize prayer. I read a very interesting article this week in a magazine that I 
have received for some time. The name of the magazine is Christianity Today. And, and, and this magazine is primarily uh, targeted to ministers and pastors and, and church leaders. But they did a, a front page, a, a cover story um, on very well-known church in California, Bethel. Now, now Bethel uh, is well-known on, on several fronts. Matter of fact, one of the, one of the biggest fronts that they're, they're noted for is their music and a lot of the praise and worship uh, music that is, that is popular right now in churches um, are, are, are Bethel music songs. And it's very interesting to note that this church several years ago made a... Made a a striking turn that they would just focus on revival, that somehow or another they would just focus on getting people revived in the presence of God and, 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 and seeking after God in powerful prayer ways and, and, and seeking even the miraculous and the gifts of the Spirit flowing in people. And uh, it's just really amazing how critical others have become of someone who might just want to stretch themselves a little for the miraculous. Just critical. So it is in this, in this article, the, the um, person who wrote the article admits straightforward and up that I'm really going there as a skeptic. I'm going there as a skeptic. But yet throughout the article, the, this, this writer keeps referring back to, now, I let them pray for me, and, I, and I, 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 I don't really know much about it, but I have to admit there was something there. And I mean, that, that whole thing kind of wound itself through this article until finally the, the, the writer said that they finally prayed for me and, 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 and they, they put their hand on my chest and they were praying so fervently for me and I felt this burning in my chest that at first I thought was just the fact that their hands were hot, but when I got in my car to drive away, the burning was still there. And an hour and a half later, while I am still driving, I still feel that burning in my chest, and I really don't know what that means, but I do know this. I can't wait to get back to church on Sunday. Pray in church. A church that has eternity in its mind. How that that can even be attacked in our world today. Even worship and, 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 and fervency in that. How that can be attacked in our world today. And I really, I really just want us to understand that a worshiping church is a whole lot better than a backbiting church. I mean, I mean I'm, or, or, or how about the worshiping church is a whole lot better than a complaining church. <laughs> okay, okay, I do. Lordy, help me. Oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. I did this thing one time. When we were, I was preaching in California. We did this big, I've, I've told this story before, but just bear with me. We did this big crescendo thing at, at, at the end of, 
of my sermon, the, we, we had this choir on the platform. I had gone there earlier. I said, look, I'm keying on this thing about they sent the praise team. They sent the worshipers out in front of the army. And, and the army never even had to fight because the worshipers went out forth and they sang, uh, glory to God in the highest of something. I can't remember what I said. But, you know, I, I made this chant, you know, this glory to God in the highest. May, may our God omnipotent reigneth. I think that's what I said. Boy, in that, in that church talk. It's, I'd have to explain most of that today, but you know what I'm saying. Omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Glory to God in the highest. Our God who is all-powerful reigns. And, 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 so, and so I had this choir. There was about 50 or 60 in this choir and this whole band, all of this music. And I said, when we get to that part, I'm going to go, Glory to God in the highest. Our God omnipotent reigneth. And when I do that, I want you to start off in a really low key. And then I want you just to modulate yourself through keys. And I want this choir in four-part harmony singing, Glory to God in the highest, our God omnipotent reigneth. Glory to God in the highest, our God omnipotent reigneth. Glory to God in the highest. And I just want them to do that. And when we do that, I'm going to go to the front of the platform and I'm going to say, if you need a miracle, you need to run up here right now because I feel you. I just knew, man, there was something powerful going to happen in that place. Something powerful did happen in that place. One of the stories that came out of that, about 10 months later, Raylan and I were at a, at a camp meeting in Santa Maria, California, with, and her mom and dad had flown out there. We, man, we hadn't been married very long. And um, this this young lady appears at the table with, with this like newborn baby. And she thrust that baby across that table into my face. And she said, do you see this? This is your fault. <laughs> I looked across at my father-in-law sitting across from me. I said, I do not know this woman. That service that night, she had, had asked for prayer. Her prayer was that they had been trying to have a child and were unable to do so. And the doctor said it was medically impossible. And that night, we prayed for her concerning that. And within a week after that service, they were expecting a child. Now, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, the glory to God in the highest, our God omnipotent reigneth. Made one woman mad as a hornet. She came over there. She banged on the trail. We, live, we, we, we travel with the fifth wheel trailer, believe it or not, Raylene and I. We spent the first four and a half years of our marriage living in a 30-foot fifth wheel going from church to church like vagabonds. It was pretty cool. But uh, she come banging on the door. I opened the door. She said, I have something to say to you. She was mad as a hornet. I'll tell you what, that was a gross misrepresentation of Scripture because that choir didn't go out there with all that new electronic music. She was mad. She missed the miracle. Come on, somebody. She missed the miracle because we were using modern instruments. Like what we were supposed to do. Fly stuff in from, from Jerusalem Museum or something. What were we supposed to do? I mean, she went on, she said, they use sultry and harps. 
I stepped out of the trailer, closed the door, turned around, looked, turned around, and said, yeah, but you know what? I guarantee you if David would have had electricity, there would have been at least one electric guitar. Just saying. They worshipped with the most modern instrument they had of that day. Okay, I got about five of you. But see, she'd rather backbite. Okay. She missed a miracle because she was all stove up. I mean, she missed a miracle because she'd rather complain. Well, okay. You know, it's something I noticed uh, when I worshiped. Okay, I can't go there. Let's quit. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing when you participate in worship how a lot of stuff don't bother you. You know, it, it, it's someone that folds their arms and just wants to critique everything that suddenly notices that we might be running at 97 decibels instead of 96. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I've, I've been to some really loud stuff in my life, okay? And... Um, all right, we'll just move on. I didn't care how loud it was as long as I was enjoying it and having a good time. All right. When we get into the presence of the Lord, it is so much greater to just be a worshiper instead of a complainer. It makes a better church. <laughs> it makes a better community, doesn't it? So they devoted themselves. There's something I want to draw our attention to today, if I can get off all that. Verses 44 and 45, throw, throw those two verses back up. Verses uh, 44, all believers were together and had everything in common. Look at verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. See, not only did that early church devote themselves to a lifestyle of prayer and a lifestyle of worship when they gathered together, but it is very clear in these verses that they also devoted themselves to what I would call a spirit of generosity. These early believers were not stingy. And I'll say this, that the history of the church is replete with examples of this community of believers that sacrifice for others, even for those who were not of the Christian faith. I've been reading a book, and, 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 and there's some measure of history in that book concerning healing in the late 19, early 20th centuries. And it's very interesting to note that, you know, they made this case study in this book concerning something. I didn't, I'd be honest with you, I hadn't personally never even heard of it, but obviously in 1918 there was a horrible flu epidemic that hit like the world and it was, in, and I mean, it was like the Spanish flu. There was no, there was no, um, there was no cure, and and 
an unbelievable amount of people died. Not only in the United States, but around the world. An unbelievable amount of people died. Reading in that history, it's very interesting to note that in the face of death, many of the pastors opened their homes and their churches as places of refuge for those who were sick. You didn't, even, you didn't have to be a member of the church. You didn't even have to profess Christianity. It, just, it was just this spirit of generosity that says, this is who we are as a people. This is what we do as a people. What we do as a people is we are generous with what we have. And this goes back century after century in the history of the church. The early church was well noted, especially among the Romans in the Roman Empire as plagues would roll through, that it was the church that opened their houses, that it was the church that opened their doors and said, come one and come all. Bring your sick and your lame and your halt. Bring them here. Very hard for us to get away from the reality that this early church had within it a component that I believe is indicative of the Christian faith if we will not allow ourselves to become jaded with those who have misused it. It's the spirit of generosity that invests in eternity in the lives of people, the people who gave of themselves last week to buy a van. I mean a van. It's a Ford van. But yet somebody's stepped up and said, I want to be a part of that. In a spirit of generosity, I want to be a part of that because this is what I can do. Paul addressed it, very common verses. Paul addressed it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Check this out. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. That, that God is going to bring blessings into your life. Not so that you can be braggadocious. The, the, church, the church doesn't have a, a braggadocious stand. Not, not, so that, not so that you can say, look at me. No, in the church there is this great leveling field at the cross. He says that you will be Enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform not only is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you have provided yourselves. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ 
and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Your generosity. The seed that is mentioned in these verses is specifically talking about finances. I'll say this again. It really doesn't matter that some ministries and pastors or preachers have misused these verses. The reality does not invalidate the context that God supplies financial seed in order for the people of God to be financially generous. Why? Pastor Nikki, did that, did that young man that everyone prayed for did that young do you know the one I'm talking about though the night I was out there that young man that everyone prayed for I'm not looking for a, a report on it I'm just wondering did does he ride the van he used to he doesn't have to ride it now but he used to ride. he started coming on the van families invest Older brother. Yeah. Sorry. This will go better in second church. <laughs> See, our generosity, our generosity as a community, do we have any idea how much money we spend a month on gas to run vans for the youth? couple of hundred. There's a lot of churches won't do that because they won't spend a couple of hundred. And now you have this, this young man who rode the van, who is investing in what is happening now in our church. But he started out on that van I'm pretty sure at some point in that prayer there was thanksgiving to God from him. I mean, I would think so. He's running, they're running tests. It's a kind of a scary time. And our youth pastor stopped the service and said, we're going to pray for him. Hmm. Your generosity returns back in him to thanksgiving to God. And as a community, this is, this is why I believe God blesses the community of faith that understands generosity is because the place of generous blessing is the place of generous giving. And thanksgiving is multiplied in generous living. Your life is just better. God sees as you stand with me this morning. God sees it so much in our lives.
somehow God's word understands. And, and this is what I think is so important. God's word understands to us that when we open our finances, we open our hearts. How many of you guys feel sorry for those dogs? You don't even know what dogs I'm talking about, right? Those SPCA dog commercials. Them poor little mangy dogs in cages. You know what I'm talking about? I can't watch that. If you don't own a dog, like if you're not, like if a dog has not smitten your life, see, a dog has smitten our life. We 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 have this dog that it's like every now the sun rises and sets in this dog. Now suddenly you got a bleeding heart for every other dog, right? They show you those pictures to try to get your heart to open because they figured if they can get your heart to open, you'd be willing to give them $25 a month, right? That if somehow you can just open your heart, when you open your heart, see a stingy person has a closed heart. And so they pull at the heartstrings pull at the heartstrings and try to get you to open your heart. And, and I think the word of God is crying that out to us that look at these people that, that need what the church has to offer. Look at, look at eternity. Look at it. Open your heart to it. And if you could just, if you could just open your heart, there's, there's, there's an opening of finances as well that, that'll come in your life. And then God says, if you will do this, I will ensure that you are enriched in every way. God's promise back, the reciprocal promise back from God is that, that I'm going to bless your life. Now let me tell you something. I'm not going to stand up here and say that if you give 100, God will give you X. I don't believe we can mandate the Lord of the harvest. I do, I do know this. If you give, God has promised that your life will be blessed. God has promised your life will be blessed. They may not come, it may not, I, you know, I, I, I get really, it gets on my nerves, these preachers that'll get up and say, you know, you give $777.77 in the next 77 minutes and God will give you 77000 I just can't, I can't equate that. Who are they, the Lord of the harvest? They're not the Lord of the harvest. But I will tell you this, that when my heart is open. All I have to do is walk out here on Wednesday night and watch one of those bands roll in with a whole bunch of kids in them. And suddenly I just feel better about my life. And I look at that and go, man, I had a part to do with that right there. I had a part to do with that. I just walk down these, these hallways and see all these kids, man, are getting Jesus put in their heart today. And I just say, man, man, if I never see... It come back to me in a financial term. It comes back to me every day in a spiritual term. And my life is better because my heart is open. My life is better because my heart is open. And it's really better because I have a great place to sow from an open heart. I love the local church. 
I have a great place to sow. And I'm praying for us today that as a community, we would consider this in our lives. That whatever we do and however we do it, let's be a generous community. Let's just pray. God, help me be generous. Help me be generous with my family. Help me be generous with my church. Help me be generous with my friends. Just help me be generous in my life. Because generosity from us creates thanksgiving to God from others. It just does. God gets praise double time when you and I learn to just open our hearts and be generous from our hearts. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for what you are investing and sowing in us as a people. I pray today that every person the sound of my voice would feel your presence and your spirit working mightily on their behalf. I pray right now that if there's anyone sick among us that they would be healed. I pray in Jesus' name that if anyone is hurting among us that they that they would feel relief. I pray right now for those who are suffering in their lives. I pray that you would come with that balm, with that soothing ointment, oh God, that the comforter would work in their life. I pray right now in Jesus' name for your mighty presence and power. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. All right, here's what I'm going to do. Out there in the foyer, they have set up.